0: Once summer is over and the weather turns colder, there is a curious sight you might see when out and about in Denmark. Adults wearing ski suits as everyday clothing. These
1: ski suits, or flyertrækter as we call them in Danish, are all-in-one outfits that you step into and zip up at the front. They're warm, they're water resistant, and they're very practical.
0: This practicality is part of the reason almost every parent in Denmark seems to have one for their toddler. However, unlike other forms of children's clothing, the ski suit has, in recent years, become a bit of a fashion statement for Danish adults.
1: In this episode, we speak with lifestyle fashion expert Julia Lahme about why tractor have become must-wear fashion in Denmark. We talk about the history of the suits, other retro trends coming back into fashion, and what this all says about Danish culture as a whole.
0: We're joined by Julia in the studio today. And so, Julia, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so to get us started, can you explain to someone who's never seen a fluidac before what it looks like?
2: <laughs> yes, it's basically a big downfilled jumpsuit which covers you from your ankles, all of your body and then uh, kind of closes at the neck. So it's like a parachutes as a jumpsuit and which is also why it's got its name if you were to translate it literally it would be a, a pilot's
0: suit oh okay so i've been thinking ski suit no but actually it's the, a pilot suit
1: yes it's a pilot's jumpsuit that sounds far cooler doesn't yes, it i mean uh, this whole pilot and often they also come in sort of army green so there's some coolness yes, over yes. that
2: and it's uh, it's a very big part of Danish culture. And it, you're really a bad parent if your kids don't have at least one of them <laughs> in
0: Denmark. So, so can, can you perhaps sort of take us back? So when, I mean, w- were these originally actual suits that pilots wore? Yes. And and can you perhaps sort of talk about the initial usage of these suits?
2: Well, they're kind of zip-on suits. So they're easy, supposedly easy to get uh, off and on. In reality, they're really not. Especially not on your toddlers, but they are supposed to shield you from the cold and uh, the wet, so they also serve as windbreakers, and that was why they were uh, used by pilots way back when, when the planes were still open. You would sip up in one of these suits.
0: Mm, okay, so when you're sort of out flying your rickety old plane in yes. the sky, this is this thing's going to keep you warm.
2: Exactly,
1: and I think what's really clever about it is you don't get a cold tummy because it's closed at the tummy, and otherwise, you know, wind and weather could creep up under
2: exactly. your top. So, and and also they're very much similar to the boiler suits uh, that we know from workwear from the twenties and thirties for for especially men.
0: Okay.
1: Is it just me, or was this suit quite popular in the eighties too? Not, not to say too much about our age, Julia, but I think we were both quite young in the eighties. We were, uh, but they were more like neon coloured. Yes, but have
2: you seen the 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 videos, uh, the the music video which uh, Wham did for for Last Christmas? They're kind of wearing these uh, all-body ski suits, and they're kind of similar to to the Flüerdracht, though we don't really get them with uh, shoulder pads, but uh, <laughs> but they're kind of the <laughs> same. So they look a bit like ski suits, but the thing is that a real Flüerdracht, a Danish one, needs to have far more downs in them and be a little bit more chunky.
0: So but by down, this is sort of like, like padding, like yes. feather. Yes. Is it the same down, you know, when you talk about duvets? And you yes, say, well, it's the same. It's that, that sort of concept. It's the same. So it's basically just like a big duvet that you've got zipped all over you. It
2: is. If it's in a good quality for adults anyway, it will be duck feathers. And if it's uh, for children, mostly it will be uh, thinsulate patting.
0: Um, so were these like manu- manufactured in Denmark? Was there like a fluduct a factory?
2: <laughs> I I do believe so, yes. Uh, now everything, of course, has moved to the other side of the world. But initially, yes, they, they were manufactured in
1: Denmark, especially for some brands. And what was his story about the recent comeback? Because there has been a comeback, there were quite a few years, where you'd never want to be seen in a Flüerdracht as an adult. It would have seemed very childish, it would have seemed odd, maybe a little bit 80s-like, because we do maybe remember our ski suits from back then. (laughs) Yes,
2: well, it's a bit of a long story, and it has a lot of interesting storylines to it. So first of all, these suits were also worn in Scandinavia in a in a less trendy fashion in the 60s and 70s by working men, builders and people working with their hands out in the open air. So they would wear some Kansas, they were called, a brand called Kansas. They would do kind of soft padded, very warm boiler suits and send people out working in them. And uh, they kind of came back into fashion approximately 10 years ago. And they were picked up by two guys who have a shop on Bernholm, which is called Roger, this shop, and uh, they started selling them. And they kind of became the cool fashion insiders, laid back winter wear. Alongside with that trend, which was most definitely a micro trend, came the hipster movement, where we saw how you were supposed to live your whole life in the city, where we ended the discussion if it was okay to to actually raise children in the city which was big discussion at that time and where we started to have a very different relationship with coffee so the kind of the whole lifestyle changed and uh, especially in in the big cities like berlin and copenhagen and their fashion became something which was in Copenhagen anyway, and in many other big Danish cities, fashion became something that you were not supposed to be very much into. You had to look a little bit cool. You had to look a bit worn. You had to mm. look a little bit less
1: glamorous <laughs> than I'd like to myself.
0: Yeah, a bit like you don't care. You're just like, I'm just throwing this, just throwing this on.
1: And yet you spend two hours getting yourself ready to yeah. look like you didn't care. <laughs>
2: kind of if you were a man growing your beard, and if you were if you're a woman, kind of letting your hair hang in a very special, uncontrolled way, very controlled. But you kind of had a fashion movement which urged everybody to look unplanned, Mm. but even though a bit ready for the outdoors. So there, the fashion trend of looking laid back really came into flourish in a new and very exciting way. Mm. And so Flywerdragter made an entrance on the streets of Copenhagen first seven or eight years ago and from then on it's just been growing as an adult thing.
1: And then I suppose corona really tipped it over the edge because suddenly we had time to go for walks during our work hours. Yes. Uh, we wanted to be able to maybe enjoy the extra time we had with the children. They needed to be out going for walks with dogs and so on. There was all of this opportunity, yes. but you obviously want to do that in a comfortable fashion. You're not, not out there to flash yourself too much when, uh, when you're at home. No, but also all
2: of us got really sick of the weather at the same time because nobody could travel, and we were so tired of feeling cold and wet all the time. And the Danish winters are cold and wet, so so it was a natural uh, natural thing that people would search towards these flewaducta. But f- mostly they were actually cool, and still are.
1: It's interesting with that you're saying that it actually did enter Denmark not last year or the year before, but it's about five, seven years ago, I uh, was taking my child to football training at that time. And, you know, obviously we're very hardy in Denmark. So, you know, it might be snowing, there might be ice everywhere, but you still take your kids to football training outside. Yes, of course. I remember sort of braving through the snow and having to stand out there. And the kids, they stay relatively warm because they run around. But the mothers and fathers... Cheering on the side, get really, really cold. And uh, the first time I saw one of these Flur tractor on adults was one of these army green ones, probably from Roger, the the shop you mentioned. And it was absolutely phenomenal seeing it on this mother, who is obviously super trendy and knew exactly. I'm going to have to stand here for three hours. I'm going to have to be warm, but I still want to look cool. Yes. And she'd managed to get one of these ones. And we were so envious. Yes,
2: <laughs> but it's a, it's it's kind of a choice. At the beginning, when the racks came to uh, Denmark again, it was a bit of a choice whether to stay warm or be cool because they weren't that cool in the beginning they were big they were baggy now they're actually more uh, shapely they are more uh, figure hugging and you can't hide very much in them you, you you look a little bit like alexis if you pull it off right yeah
1: <laughs> actually sam and i we got really really cool matching fluid yes. Yes. we're very lucky we'll talk a little bit about that later but they're from a company called the dalset yes and lovely. they are beautiful they really do great things for a lady's figure
0: It seems quite common now for yes. trendy women such as yourselves, I imagine, to be walking down the streets in Copenhagen and to really pull it off. Yeah. I did feel a bit of nervousness about stepping out as a guy you did? in this, okay. just because it, it's less, less of a common sight. Then I step yes. out and suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is fantastic.
2: Yes, you don't want to take it off. It is so
0: good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of now th- quite happily strutting around in Copenhagen wearing yes. this
2: my husband and I got some really cheap ones like these Kansas workwear which we wear in the winter and we have unfortunately ended up buying the same colors and we <laughs> kind of look it looks it's look it looks like you're you're trying to prove something to nature itself by wearing these remember
1: it's like the 80s where you had these um track suits, exactly. and then you'd have matching husband and and wife and then yes. you'd be out there walking in nature together matching each other <laughs> <laughs> Now it's just, uh, now it's Fluortrackler instead that we we match. But I thought you looked fantastic in yours, actually. And it was quite masculine, this one from the dulcet.
0: It was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah. they, They definitely were quite, as you said, um, fitting so you definitely make you look a bit more like the michelin man
2: you need to put a lot into construction when it comes to adults because those for children are basically just a big blob with arms and legs (laughs) in it but for adults you need to be able to move Mm. because if you don't really feel like you're able to move in them and you can't really lift your arms or carry a bag you won't
0: use it yeah so i mean how difficult is it to actually construct one of these things it
2: 's really difficult because it, it has multiple layers in it, mm. and uh, you need to take movement into uh, to a cord because you can 't do it in stretchy fabric. Mm. So the fabric is kind of fixed, and normally when we do active wear, it's in stretchable fabric. But this is thought as active wear and constructed like active wear, but never in a stretchy fabric. So it's really difficult, and you need to buy yours uh, from an expert.
1: Yeah, I think they've done really well. Mm -hmm. And I think you had a bit more space in yours than I had. I mean, men always get the most comfortable wear. Yes, and they get pockets too. Yeah, exactly.
0: But I sort of get food acting in that practical sense. So... I'm just a bit curious about this point you said a while ago about this trend which was suddenly we've gone from fashion being something where you're like put together well you Mm. look your best to suddenly being a bit rougher yes you you seem to say it was something to do with this idea of you can live in the city or you can sort of be hipster can you sort of expand on that yes
2: well and I can give you a very clear example of it if you and I were to walk into a bar I would look Nørrebro, for instance, I would look like I came straight out of Dallas or Dallas in the eighties, compared to the girls in their twenties and thirties sitting there. Makeup is not really used anymore. Uh, hair needs to be <laughs> needs to be tousled and uh, uh, a little bit um, random. You you need to wear pared down clothing in order to fit in seamlessly in some cultural settings in Denmark, especially in the intellectual ones. So. We have gone from a fashion which was all in with everything that glitters to a kind of normative, not normcore, but normative way of paring yourself down to show that you care about other things than the materialistic things and that you mm. are very secure in your femininity or masculinity.
0: Interesting. So the, the, the broader trend there is to, to demonstrate that you're not, you don't care about material things. Yes, but this, it's so-
1: just one trend among many. Yeah, because that's interesting with the fluid tractor. I was actually just thinking before, older people, younger people, do they wear them? Or is it something that is like from age 30 plus till age 50 minus? Who wear these fluid tractor? I feel I see them everywhere, but do we? Yes,
2: we do see them everywhere. And it's actually not a, a specific demographic. It's uh, actually everyone in Denmark who doesn't want to freeze their ass off during winter. So it's, it's basically all of us. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, with age.
1: So that one bridges everything. I yes. think that's amazing because what other items, as you say, that is very demographically based yes. with yes. the other trends. But here we can all agree on the fact that we want to stay warm. Yes. We want to have the freedom to cycle and be comfortable. And we want to be able to practically be able to enjoy whatever weather there is in Denmark. Yes,
2: and we do have a firm belief in Denmark that the weather is never the problem. And that's so annoying when people say that because it's it's kind of something you're raised on as a child in Denmark. It's not the weather that's the problem. You'll always hear that uh, mm-hmm. said uh, any day of the week when something uh, cold hits you.
1: Yeah. yeah, we have that saying that... N- not bad weather, just bad clothing, don't exactly. we? That you've probably heard a lot as well, well exactly. Sam, yes. <laughs> exactly. coming from England, where it's always a little bit warmer than Slightly in Denmark. Warmer, yeah. But, but yeah. the
2: thing is, in, in Denmark, you, or in, in in the UK, actually, you kind of, you treat the weather differently and you treat your clothing differently. You have a different relationship between you and the weather and the clothes you wear. So uh, if we were to go to, uh, to, uh, to England and, and into a big city, in winter, you would still see uh, girls without tights but in in, in knee length skirts you 'd never see that in Denmark so we we do feel that the weather is something we need to be in a relationship with, whereas in the u k you feel a little bit more like the weather is something you should overcome you win. At, uh, at getting dressed in the morning the, the weather doesn't decide a lot in Denmark we, we accept that the weather is what it is
0: and then you sort of adapt very way. much more I'd never thought of it that way
2: no, but you, you can't oh you still you rebel yeah. against the weather in the UK. We don't.
0: We yeah, and also it.
2: kids
1: <laughs> stay inside. I remember that actually yes. you see that in um, in Africa and other parts of the world as well. If it's just the tiniest drizzle, okay, it's raining, so today we stay inside. In Denmark, forget about it. The children go out and they're there for quite a few hours and it yes. doesn't matter what weather it is. And therefore you have the clothes for it to to make it possible. So all of the items that we have for children here in Denmark are not available in the UK. In fact, my UK friends, when they come to visit, I give them some of this. They're like, wow, this is amazing. They love Scandinavian outdoor clothes for their <laughs> yes. kids because actually it's really handy for playgrounds and that.
2: It is, but we don't have the acceptance of weather as a hindrance in Denmark. It, mm. it is not socially or culturally allowed to be. So we kind of decide how, how our relationship is with the weather. We don't wait for it to improve because we know it probably never will. And we can't stay indoors nine months in a row. (laughs)
1: Exactly. We would always be indoors if uh, if we didn't just get on with it. Exactly.
0: I'm curious, are there other cultures that have this similar relationship to the weather? Yes. Is it a Scandinavian thing?
2: It's very much a Scandinavian thing. And if you look at the northernmost part of Germany, they speak about uh, Scandinavian child rearing as uh, the new and very modern way to do it. So we're, it's kind of spreading a little bit also uh, due to the fact that we're all discussing climate very much more and that we are discussing how to, to be in touch with uh, nature on a different scale. But it's also a sign of living in a welfare state also, in a true welfare really? state. Yes, because we all have the expectation that children should be well-dressed when they're going out into the weather. It's not about the brand or how your clothes look. But if you have a child and you don't have uh, the money enough to buy it a Flywordracht, you'll just go down to the council and they'll help you instantly. It's no questions asked. So mm. it's, if you live in the UK, for instance, and your child doesn't have enough clothes to play outside in bad weather, you're not as likely to get the help immediately as you would be in Denmark.
0: Interesting. So it's, like, it's, it's universal right yes. for kids to play. Yes. And that goes through to the provision of ducts.
2: Yes, it is a, it's a universal right for a child to be able to sleep outside in its uh, stroller uh, until it's two or three years old. You're giving your kids the right to nap outside. So you do need a stroller because every child needs to sleep outside.
1: <laughs> oh, it's actually these big prams, aren't they? Yes. They're yeah. these humongous prams. Yes. prams that we put them in outside and we really believe in fresh air. In most countries, that would basically be seen as child abuse. Whereas in Denmark, it's like giving the children the right to fresh air. Yes.
2: And I think it's it's the kind of, uh, maybe I'm a bit wrong here, but I think it's up until... It's minus 10 degrees Celsius. You're allowed to, you should let your child have at least one nap outside a day.
0: It sounds like you're reading from a list. Like, is this an actual, these are actually like laws that are written?
2: No, it's not laws that are written, but it's what we regard as common sense. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be weather-hardened. You're supposed to live here. You need to be able to take in the weather. And also, we believe that it kills germs, don't we?
1: I believe so, yes. I Actually, my children were brought up abroad. So I came back with the last one who did get a chance to sleep about out in the extremely cold Scandinavian weather. But I was so pleased we could do that. Yes. But I mean I do remember that there were other issues and concerns, for example, in the UK and in South Africa, they had the issue of rats. Yes. You did not want to put your kid out there and find a rat in the no. in the pram. So and not. in Denmark we are so lucky that yes. it's very clean, um it's very safe. Uh, Also from a, like, you don't expect someone to run off with your child in the PRAM perspective. Mm. So therefore, there's this whole trust culture that we know that we can put our kids out there. They'll get some fresh air. They'll sleep well. And yes, it will probably kill some germs as well. Yes, (laughs) and it dominates
2: our lives. For instance, my son, who is now 10, he was nine during the whole Corona business. Every afternoon, he goes to what we call a club. And uh, the rooms were too small to let the children stay inside. So he was outside all winter in drizzling rain. (laughs) He just... They uh, they didn't have as much as a small room to go into in the afternoon. They were au- outside every afternoon from when school ended
1: until uh, being picked up in the afternoon. Oh, gosh.
0: And but and he was wearing through that the whole time. Of course time. he was. So
1: he was in warm clothes. Yes. I mean, and that's the thing that that's our mentality, and this kindergartens are the same. You've I don't a see lot a problem of, yeah. in it. I think it's wonderful. Yes. I mean, actually, you know, they really use their hands, and soon enough they will get onto the whole gaming thing. So the more time they spend outside, also working their physique and. Collecting separating around things yeah the I,
0: better. I, it seems like I, I never really viewed it uh viewed these food acts as like a, a ticket to go outside and be able to explore the world it is i'd yeah I'd, i just never really sort of got that that's a real key value in it is yes. that it allows you all year to go out and and sort of play in nature i just sort of thought of it as like a thing to keep you warm but actually you're right it, it then allows you to play outside and uh spend Four months in drizzly weather. Exactly. Yeah. Eight,
1: nine. <laughs> yes. But I'm yeah. curious about the fluid tractor in other countries, because yes. now we've been quite insular over the last few years because of corona. We've all been stuck in our own little environments. But how is uh fluid tractor doing in other parts of the world? Do we see a trend? We see it slowly emerging, but
2: especially led on by Danish brand. We have a Danish brand called Hunken who are producing these wonderful fluoractors. Because they're in multiple colors and patterns, so they do them every year. We have uh, uh, Ganni, a leading Danish fashion brand, who, who has also for seasons produced them. We have Mesnergo, uh, which is an excellent uh, Danish fashion brand as well, which uh, uh, does very simple designs, and they have done fløverdragter. And I actually used to own that one, but my oldest one nicked it from me. So now it's <laughs> his, and it's almost worn out. But it's... Uh, we have these brands which are sold abroad, which takes are taking the trend with them.
0: Hmm. So is, is is Denmark leading the way in fluid
2: Maybe for grown ups, yes, we do have Swedish brands as well who have dabbled in it. But in actually in Denmark, we're pretty forward when it comes to fluid yes. And is it?
0: I mean, if you look at sort of the total addressable market for this, like in terms of other countries where this is going to be useful. Yes. I, I assume that sort of countries near the equator where it's quite warm and they don't have long nope. winters won't be as nope. applicable. I mean, is it? Are you basically just sort of looking at Denmark and looking at the same latitude? So maybe it's like Canada, yes. Northern Europe, yeah, you know, the Baltics, etc. Yes,
2: the Baltics, but also the Netherlands, which is which are actually big markets for Danish fashion. We have for years we have had a big impact on the Netherlands uh, fashion-wise.
1: So, obviously, you are also a trend expert, Julia. And um, what are you seeing, apart from the tractor happening right now? In Denmark. In Denmark, and is there somewhere where we inspire
2: further? Yes, well, one thing which is a bit funny is the kind of uh, knitted baklava hood, which you will see in uh, Copenhagen and in Denmark right now, which actually we saw here uh, last year. We call it the Anna and Lotte Hue which is a Danish children television show where one of the puppets looked like it was wearing kind of a snoot. And that's what we are wearing, or many women are wearing right now. But it has actually sprung, I'm not sure if it's directly from Denmark, but now you find it in the, in the big uh, collections at Miu Miu and Prada. They've done it for this winter as well. But all the Danish girls were missing it last year already. Um, and,
0: and why why is that suddenly popular?
2: It's really ugly. I can't <laughs> tell you. It's it, it kind of messes up your hair. It, but, but most of all, it keeps you warm.
1: It's again convenient and practical, yes, isn't but it? It's,
2: no, we're actually looking, just to sound a little bit more professional, but we're looking at some trends which are desexualizing right now. Mm. So we're looking at desexualizing trends which... Do not serve the purpose of looking attractive to the opposite sex or to anybody who would have a romantic interest in you, but which are all about kind of drawing up a bit of a distance between you and uh, potential suitors, (laughs) no matter if you're a man or a woman. But uh, we do see these trends right now, and they're a natural consequence of what is happening in the gender discussion debate right now, and how we are all dealing with our genders in in a new and different way. So we will see these micro-trends the next five or ten years, which are actually serving a desexualizing purpose, Hmm. where you don't want to look as if you're trying too hard. And you don't want to look too engaging and you don't want to look like an open invitation.
1: And I think it's also interesting what you were mentioning about the knitting, because knitting has become huge. I think it's across the world, but particularly in Denmark. Yes. And it's also sort of a way of going back to sort of those homely values, sort of the wholesomeness of not being on social media all the time, but actually doing something with your hands and being a little bit more creative with yourself. Yes. And we
2: saw that during uh, lockdown, and we saw it. Uh, we've seen it continue. We've it started with the baking bread, mm. and the the big cult of the sourdough in Denmark, where we were to exchange living gifts by giving yeah. each other pieces <laughs> of our sourdough and naming it. And we did that and people got a dog and uh, they they keep on knitting. So it's kind of, if you don't have a baby, a sourdough or a new dog, what have you actually been doing with your lockdown, right? Yeah. So now you can prove your new knitting skills.
0: And is there anything at all about longing for childhood or something like this and a lot of is This is back from childhood. Is there a sense of like wanting to regress back into your childhood or is that just... I
2: don't see it there. Maybe there always will be, especially around Christmas, but uh, I don't see it as a consequence of longing back and to be part of a nostalgic uh, trip down memory lane we see that in other things we see that in comfort food for instance uh, which has uh, actually become a thing in in Copenhagen and the surrounding area as well you can now buy fregedella at the most fancy uh, cafes you can buy tarteletta at the most fancy cafes
0: on Vesterbro so and, and this is sort of like cozy food that you'd have when you eat when you were younger and, and now it's yeah now it's sort of back in these 80s classic yes. yeah
1: we'd also call it Mourmel, yes. which means grandmother food yeah so it's you know all your grandmother's favorites and I suppose that is sort of diving into that comfortable space that's from your childhood
0: one thing which has seems to have come back into fashion which I honestly perplexes me is the mullet the mullet yes the, the hair yes the, the, yeah what, what what's going on there
2: uh, well, it's uh, all business in the front and all party in the back. <laughs> no, <laughs> the thing that's going on is that we have these big trend cycles, and we are just moving through the end of the 90s, if you notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, silk slips uh, for the girls, cut on the bias with a t shirt underneath platform trainers we we're just finishing the rest mm-hmm. of the of the 90s so now the first movers are actually moving back to the to the beginning of the 80s
0: oh again the, wait they're going back to the 80s again yes, they're not they going on to the 2000s
2: no no it's too early
0: okay <laughs> but uh, but yeah. you also
2: see it in fashion right now with the shoulder pads for both men and women oh no are so, they coming back yes they are here oh. already they've oh. been here for about a year it's just uh, actually you're yes. right yes, yes. <laughs> so and that is of course also a question of what happened the in the past year well corona happened and we all had to pull ourselves a little bit together and now we need to show strength fashion needs to stay current Mm. so it needs to emulate emotions and that's what it does through the shoulder pads and through the mullet which also signifies a time where fun was to be had and what okay. we're looking for right now is fun. So you also see it in the other more glamorous side of fashion, where it's all feathers and sparkles and uh, high heels and uh, glittering boots. And... What
0: is it? They said that after um, was it the roaring 20s, the yes. 1920s, that came after the First World War and the Spanish flu. Yes. And suddenly there was this, this huge stored up, okay, we need to go out and have fun. Yes. And that was the 1920s. And I think they're saying the 2020s will be something similar. And
2: it already is. Yeah. But... When we look at trends, we can't just see one trend emerging. We always see ten or twenty fashion trends, which kind of emerge and explode at the same time. So you need to choose your tribe. I think you would look great in eighties shoulders and a mullet. You reckon? Yes, I a think mullet? so. Oh, I'm not sure oh, about a
0: mullet. Do oh, the mullet. Oh, don't say oh. that, Julia. Oh, <laughs> no. a, light, a light perm. <laughs> a, a, light a light perm. perm. A light yes. perm. Yes, oh like gosh.
2: some curls I
0: in the front
1: know. and then all straight in the back.
0: Gosh, we'll have to see. Oh. Uh,
1: let's see in know. one year. You'll wear it proudly, I'm sure. We'll meet We'll yeah. meet up
0: next year. And then you'll be like, oh, no, forget that, Sam. The perm's out of fashion. And We're going to have to get you something next
2: else. The next time uh, the 90s come around again, you and I, Josefine, we could have the barbed wire on the upper arm oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm up for it. We'll go together, hey? What,
0: what was that signifying, the barbed wire tattoo?
2: Well, that was uh, explosive and uh, strong femininity. Okay. And a little bit, uh, a little bit Pamela Anderson, who personified that, and even had the tattoo as well.
1: Yeah, sort of where the sort of the brute, sort of the masculine meets ultra feminine. isn't Exactly. It? Yes. Yeah.
2: So we also need bigger boobs. We'll have to work <laughs> on that. Yeah.
1: I'm just wondering, Julia, when foreigners come to Denmark. Yes. What do you think fashion-wise, because I know you've lived abroad for quite a few years, so you understand sort of also how do people experience Denmark when they come here? Is there sort of some fashion you believe stands more out where we are different?
2: Yes, the leading Danish fashion brands right now have a special high-quality spin on function and trend. So we do not in Denmark produce clothes which cannot be worn and doesn't serve a purpose. So it's not frivolous, but it's more a functional fashion. Which more minimalist we produce. in a way
1: as well. Maybe, yes, or but no. still
2: embellished and still uh, with a lot of details, but it needs to serve a purpose. And that's also why the fluid act of course needs to come from Denmark. And it mirrors a little bit how we have treated furniture design for years and years and generations, which is it needs to be beautiful, but it also needs to have a function. So when looking at Danish fashion from an external point of view, you'd say, well, it's not overly expensive. It's, it can all be washed. <laughs> it, it is well cut. And it is, and you move in it and it has been beautifully made. So that's kind of the things you would notice about Danish fashion right now.
1: There is one thing I remember because I was based in Africa for quite a few years. Yes. And actually Sam has been too. And it's very colorful there. And yes. I remember my, I had my kids there. And there it was very much about you put your children in colorful clothes because they're children, yes. you know, you celebrate childhood and I would have my mother visit and danish friends and they'd all bring these sort of creamy colors very subdued colors and i actually reacted a bit to it because i felt that's really sad why should i put my children in this boring clothes but obviously that's now i'm back in denmark i've been here for five six years i'm like yeah it's really stylish it's beautiful it's elegant but but there is a bit of a clash there actually between these two cultures
2: yes very much so and and obviously we don't have a language For the colors, not meaning that we don't know the names of the colors, but we don't, we're not used to communicating colors in Denmark or in most of Scandinavia, actually. So we we communicate in a bit different way and we send our signals more subtly and um, children's wear, the trend has been here for, I think, a decade that exclusive children's wear is made of more subdued colors. And it's it's kind of, it's never really gone mainstream. It's kind of the more exclusive children's where The mainstream children's wear still very much in color.
0: And, and what's that? I'm curious about this point about communicating with with color. Yes. So what is it, yeah, what does you, that mean? You can't
2: talk about anything in Denmark without mentioning the jendelow, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you know. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure you've explained <laughs> to your listeners a dozen times already. But you don't, you're not really allowed to stand out. Hmm. So, if you do stand out a lot with what you're wearing, it's going to be a talking
1: point.
0: Mm. And and you don't want to draw that attention?
1: Not necessarily. Mm. You want to be part of the group. Exactly. Otherwise, you might come across as antisocial in Danish culture. Yes.
2: And also, because we have this very egalitarian society, you're not supposed to look more expensive than other people.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. And, And the worry is that if you were suddenly wearing some bright, or you put your kid in some bright, colorful clothes, A, that... Puts attention to them, but that might it becomes yes, a talking. Yes, well, pause. not
2: as much for the children, more more for the adults. Yes, and you.
1: Yet it, it does it, reflect a bit because I suppose always adult fashion also reflects on course. the children. So you of just course. do find that there's less of of the color. Yes, where you really turn up the color in in many other countries yes. uh, for the children, you do uh, that less so in Denmark. But I'm actually curious because you actually also work with Africa, yes, with Zambia. So yes. you have also had your insight into that culture and probably how they dress differently from what we're used to in many other places. Yes,
2: and it, it is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the challenge being that when well, I run a project in Zambia called Musali, We have one in India as well, actually. But in Zambia, we have a group of women who are all taking care of their own children, but also taking care of other women's children. There's a big number of orphans in Zambia. Actually, one million children are orphans due to the HIV epidemic. So we uh, produce uh, handicrafts, uh, jewelry, uh, purses with the ladies in, uh, in Zambia. And their color choices are sometimes so of the possibility of what any Danish woman would wear <laughs> that we are not able to sell it and we have to return it to Zambia. So we have now figured out how to actually create a color palette that's wearable for Danish women. But it, ha- it has been quite a journey.
0: And how does that look? Does that basically just mean...
2: It means, for instance, we do like colors, but green and orange is not a favorable...
0: Mm, can't clash.
2: Doesn't work yeah. on any Danish <laughs> uh, woman. And uh, we, we don't do black and red together either, which they would prefer as prime color combination in Zambia. So, so what, do
0: what is here. what is what are some good Danish color combos in this way? Blue, purple, pink. Blue, purple, pink.
1: Yes, a little bit of green. That totally makes sense. I'd love yes. one of those. Yes. I need to go and look at the range. But it's also interesting <laughs> because I suppose in, in terms of patterns, we are quite happy with patterns, yes. but the not within too many colours. So either you go with a colour, a bright colour, or otherwise you go with a bright pattern, but not that many colours. Exactly. Uh, imagine. Yes.
2: We we need to it needs to be a little bit pared down. But also look at our skin tones. Look at our skin tones in November. It doesn't it just doesn't work with bright orange and yellow in November for most of us.
1: Yeah, I remember going shopping in, in Africa and you'd go into these wonderful shops with beautiful fashion, like really colorful, gorgeous patterns and so on. And I'd put these things on and they'd be like, it's really amazing. It looks beautiful because I'd be looking at the dress. But I was sort of a bit like, this dress is wearing me. I'm not wearing that dress. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and that's the thing about our skin tone. It just yes. doesn't work well. No.
0: who are listening, where can they find out more about you and your work?
2: Uh, well, they can go to my company website, which is uh, lahme.dk or they can visit me at my Instagram.
0: Or oh, go on. What's your Instagram handle?
1: It's kommunikation. Uh, but we're looking here at, at Julia and she's uh, very classy looking, but she's wearing color. I would actually call the, the your trousers purple. Yes.
0: And a leopard, and a leopard print yes
1: belts. yes and lots of beautiful jewelry yeah. you're, really it cool.
0: you're really pulling it off you're really pulling it off i'm like julia is definitely in the market like this is her job is to tell people what they look good, yeah. Look good. yeah
1: certainly i hope for some advice yeah. you so, don't need so, yeah. it yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks to everyone who has helped in the creation of the episode including andreas pulson jack Yern, tevin Sudi, and Mia tweling
1: We hope you enjoyed the episode. We are still early in our journey of resolving cultural confusion in Denmark and would love for you to join us by subscribing to our show on your podcast app. If you like this episode, please do consider telling your friends about it. And you can also head over to whatthedenmark.com to receive our newsletter or find us on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Josefine Folkvarts. And I'm
0: Sam Floyd. So to get us started, can you explain to someone who's never seen a fluid act before what it looks like?
2: Yes, it's basically... <laughs>
0: oh. Hi, <Are> <laughs> I'll <Yeah, we> <laughs> do it again. Oh, okay, yeah. do it again. Um, <laughs> i just pick up.